Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. They say that teaching is learning twice. I heard that. I think that preaching is getting to share what God's gone what God's taken you through, you know? And so when I get to come up here and share with you, it's not anything that I've just studied and I've I've learned this. This is something that God has taken me through. And uh and so today what I want to share with you, the title of my sermon is called Possess the Promise. I think better grammar would be possessing the promise, I don't know, but um that's what I titled it, Possess the Promise. So that's where we're going with. So uh, in the early 2000s, uh, 2003, 2004, uh, my friends and I decided that we wanted to move from central Alabama to south Alabama, about four hours south. So we didn't know where we were going to move. We just said, we want to relocate. So we loaded up into a car and uh, drove the four-hour drive south to go and figure out where we are going to move. We wanted a house, and so we needed a three-bedroom house. And so we went and we, you know, looked at all these listings and went and, and saw. And, I mean, we went to tons of places. We went to one three-bedroom house that it must have been three bedrooms for dogs because I can't imagine that three people could have lived in this house. You know, we went to places that were in terrible neighborhoods, like who would want to live there? Who would purposely choose to live there? We went to three bedroom. I mean, there's three bedroom houses that have one bathroom. How can that many people share a bathroom, you know? But finally, after all that searching, we finally found a house. It was big enough. It was in a, a neighborhood that we wanted to live in. Uh, it had two bathrooms. Uh, It had a place for all of us, the four cars that we were going to have to park there. And it had a landlord that was willing to work with us because none of us really had a job that we were moving into. We just said, we want to live here, so will you rent to us, you know? So he said, yes, we'll sign a lease. So so we signed the lease. We said, we'll be back in a month. Let us go pack our stuff, and we're going to move back. So we went back home, packed up everything, and we come back. When we showed back up, we arrived, we had, we showed up, the house was there, the bathrooms were there, the square footage, the neighborhood, the parking, everything that was promised was there. So we moved in. There was only one problem, the previous residence. Can you put up that slide? This, <laughs> I don't know what you call these here. But where I'm from, we call these banana spiders, okay? In the backyard, there was about nine of them. And they're about the size of a, about this big, the spider is. And they make webs that are massive. And they had been living in that backyard, and that was their backyard. And so... Everything that the landlord had promised us was there. We just had to go and take it. So 
it was kind of discussed around the house what we were going to do about these spiders. I mean, one person said, let's just lock the back door and never go out. Uh, I mean, the word fire was thrown around. And, uh, and so I said, you know, no, I know what I'm going to do. I went to the store and bought one of those projectile cans of Raid. And I went into the backyard and I took my backyard back from those spiders, you know. Well, let me tell you something. In your life, God has given you promises, but it's not going to be easy. Sometimes these promises are going to require you to go in and to take them. So what is a promise? I think a promise is not really what it used to be. You see, this used to be a promise. This used to be a promise for $20 worth of gold. But now it's really just, I mean, an agreement. You know, it's not really a promise anymore. A promise is defined as a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or a particular thing will happen. But nowadays, a promise in our society really doesn't mean a whole lot. It's just a verbal agreement, you know, and it can be broken, you know. I can promise you something, but that doesn't necessarily bind me to it. But when God promises something, when God promises something, that is a covenant. That is something that he has bound himself to. That is something that is really important to God. So God gives us promises in many ways. And, you know, a few months ago, I was able to share with the church about how we receive God's word, you know. And I would say that another way to say that God's promises is God's word. So when God speaks a word over you, that's a promise. So we receive God's promises through his word. This book is filled with promises, promises. I get kind of frustrated when people teach the word of God and they said, they talk about, oh, this verse right here, it was to the children of Israel, but it's not to you. And I said, but God is the same yesterday and today and forever. How is that not to me today? You know, I don't understand that, you know. It says that all scripture is divine inspiration, useful for teaching and exhortation. All scripture. All means all. God brings his promises to you through his prophets. So a prophet comes into the house and points to you and says, God is gonna God is gonna do this mighty thing in your life. That's a promise. But God also brings his promise to you in a whisper. In his per in your personal time with him, where he speaks it to you. And I'd say that that is gonna be more, more common than God speaking in a declarative fashion through a prophet. I've had way more things God's promised me, God's spoken to me in my life than any time I've been into a church service and a prophet's come in and spoken a word over to me. You know what? In all the times that I've been in church and all the charismatic services I've been in where prophets have come in, I've had very few words spoken over me in the whole time, you know? And you know what? That's okay because the Lord speaks to me in a whisper. I don't need a prophet to come in and speak to me because the Lord speaks to me himself. So one thing that I say, one thing that I 
I stand on, one thing that not just in my Christian walk, but in just my walk as a person, something that I think that is so important wisdom-wise is this verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 1, where Paul is, he's referencing a verse in the Old Testament, but he's saying, this will be the third time I'm coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. In your life, never hang your, your everything on one word. It's not a lack of faith to seek confirmation. It's wisdom to seek confirmation. You look in the Bible, people were always seeking confirmation from the Lord in the Bible. You know, and God is always confirming himself in the Bible. It's not a lack of faith, you know. Seek confirmation. That's not just in your Christian walk. That's in like in anything. You know, seek confirmation, seek wisdom by the mouth of two or three witnesses, not just one person. So what are some promises, some general promises that God gives us all? Well, God gives us a promise to provide. He says, I shall provide for all. Well, Paul says, God shall provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory. He says that in the book of Philippians. God promises to uh, healing. He says that over and over again. God promises his peace. God promises freedom from sin. And God promises the Holy Spirit. But God also gives us personal things. Personal promises that he's speaking to you. I had a personal promise in my life. Before I ever met my wife, I had a promise that I was going to be a husband, you know, uh, I the Lord spoke it to me, and I had uh, you know men and women in my life who said you're going to make a great husband one day. You know, God confirmed it. You know, it was something the Lord spoke to me, and other people confirmed it. It was a promise in my life, and God came through. You know, love you, baby. So what are some realities? I want to share with you some realities of what God's promises are, because I think that these are something that applies to all of these promises that we're talking about. Personal promises, general promises, the whole thing. Promises are blessings, but not every blessing is a promise. If you buy my lunch today, that's awesome. I will let you buy my lunch. That's not a promise of God, okay? I always let somebody buy my lunch awesome, okay? If somebody offers to buy your lunch, I say let them because they're trying to bless you and that's a blessing to them. Pastor Josh taught me that. So, but that's not a promise. Promises meet desires, deep down desires in your heart. Stuff that that you really are kind of afraid to share with people. Promises are generational. They affect generations. Just think about the promise of salvation. How that affects not only you, but it affects your children. And it affects your grandchildren. Think about the promise of healing. How it not only affects you, but it affects your children. And it affects your grandchildren. Think about the promise of provision. It affects not only you, it affects your children, it affects your grandchildren. 
but they're generational, meaning that they might start in your generation, but God might fulfill them in future generations. Promises are larger than just meeting our desires. They start as meeting our desires, but they're way bigger than that. They're way, way bigger than that. They have an impact. They have an impact. Think about it like this way. You take a rock and you throw it into the, into the water. It only hit that one little spot of the water, but you see the impact go out from around it. That's what a promise does in your life. It affects everything around you. And promises are worth fighting for. Something that's going to be a blessing and meet a desire that's deep down inside of your heart. Something that's going to affect your generations beyond you. Something that's going to be an impact to everything around you. That's something worth fighting for. That's something worth not giving up on. So I want to talk to you today about a really famous promise. Maybe like the most famous promise in the Bible. And it starts like at the beginning of the Bible. And it's kind of all the way through the Bible. It starts in Genesis chapter 15 with a guy named Abraham. Well, he really wasn't called Abraham. He was called Abram back then. Yeah. But uh, it starts in chapter, Genesis chapter 15. And I'm just going to paraphrase this. This is the Emlyn Bailey translation. Okay. So Abram is a guy and he's an old guy. And he has no kids. Well, he has no son. And that was a shame because he had nothing to pass on his great wealth to. It would be like everybody around him would be making fun of him because he didn't have the one thing that he needed in his life to complete him as a man. It was a desire deep down in his heart to have a son. And one day, God comes to him, and he says, Abram, I'm your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And th this, this may be one of my favorite passages of Scripture, by the way. And he said, God comes to him and says, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Imagine that. God, speaking to you into your life, says, I'm your reward. And you say, God, but I don't have a son. The one thing that he wanted more than anything in his life. But I don't have that. The deepest desire of his heart. And God said, don't worry. Because not only are you going to have that, you're not only going to have that son, but you're going to be the father of many sons. And not only am I going to give you that, I'm going to give you land. And that land is going to be a blessing to everyone. So he moved Abraham out. He sent him on a, on a journey. He gave him a son. But he didn't see the full fulfillment of the promise. He saw the desire come to, come to pass. But see, the great thing about this is, is that God gives us a desire. And when he, we begin to speak to him about it, it becomes a dream. And then when he tells us it's going to happen, that's when it becomes a promise. So if you have desires in your heart, 
Talk to God about them. Begin to dream with God about them. Because I guarantee you, God wants to promise them to you. So, after, after God promised that to Abraham, he confirmed it to his son. It says in Genesis 26.3, he says, Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Don't worry. I promised it. I'm going to do it. Don't worry. And then his son, Abraham, his son, he left. He went. We see in, in the story that this is where he ran away. He fell asleep. He saw the ladder ascending, descending on the heaven. You know, we, we, Jacob's ladder, you know, that's where we're getting it from. And he says in Genesis 28.3, the Lord says to him, he says, The Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Reconfirming it, reconfirming it, reconfirming it. It's generational. It's generational. I know I promised it to them. Don't worry. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So then we go further into the story. The children of Israel go to Egypt, and they get put into captivity. Over 100 years they were there in captivity until Moses comes and leads them out. And this is before the 40 years. We always think that Moses comes, and, and I always thought that, okay, Moses takes them out of, out of there, and they're 40 years in the desert. That's not how it happens. Moses comes, takes them out of Egypt, and God says, okay, I'm reconfirming my promise. And he takes them from Egypt right to the promised land. And God's like, finally, the promise, the promise. And we see in Numbers 13, God says, get 12 people and send them into the land. And I want you to go spy it out because I want you to see how great it is. I want you to go see how awesome the land is. I've been telling you about this promise for generations. And it's time for me to give it to you. So these 12 men went out into the land. They were out 40 days. They went north, south, east, west. They said that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. So apparently there was a milk river. They said that they cut down a, a thing of grapes that they had to carry it between two men. I'm imagining volleyball-sized grapes. I'm, that's just what I think in my head. But they said it was awesome. There's only one problem. It had spiders. So they come back after 40 days. And Moses says... How was it? Well, it was awesome. I mean, look at these grapes. There's a milk river. But we can't go. What do you mean we can't go? Well, because there's people there. And there was only two people out of those 12 that said, no, let's go. It's ours. God promised it. Let's go take it. It's ours. Let's go take it. Caleb and Joshua, the only two that spoke up. But they didn't go. They didn't go. 
And now we know what happened. In a word, God got mad. <laughs> and, he, and he said, none of y'all. None of y'all are getting it. Everybody's dying. Except for the two that believed me. And that's where we get them. 40 years in the desert. So what happened? Because I want to make sure that I don't miss my promise. I want to make sure that you don't miss your promise. Because that promise waited years and years and years to be fulfilled. I don't want to miss my promise. So what kept these children of Israel from receiving their promise on that day? Thankfully, we have the scripture that we can see. We see in Numbers chapter 13, verse 31, said the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They were afraid and they doubted God. They were afraid and they doubted God. If God had promised the land... Why would they doubt that God would drive out the inhabitants as they went in? Why would they fear these people? Let me tell you what they had seen God do. Coming out of Israel, the entire army of Egypt had been chasing them on chariots. God split a sea. They walked through the sea on dry land. As they came off of dry land, God the entire army was in the army of Egypt was in between the sea and God just say, okay. And the sea, boom, on the army. They saw that with their own eyes. Yet now they say, oh, we can't go in there. Let me tell you something. In your pursuit of the promise of God in your life, you will have fear. But fear is not an excuse for a lack of action. God tells us time and time again to be courageous because courage is action in spite of fear. All throughout, spirit, all throughout Scripture, we find men and women who do great things for God. And let me tell you something. The one thing that they have in common, it's not their background. It's not... Uh, you know, it's not like what their, what their goal was. It's not none of that. The one thing that they have in common is that they believed God. You may doubt, but doubt in yourself. I doubt in myself. I doubt in my ability. I doubt in, in, my, in, in like, why would they choose me? I never doubt in God. Never doubt in God. Never doubt that the Lord is going to do it. God will never fail you. He's never done it yet. So another reason why they didn't receive their promise at that time is the naysayers and the negative talk. See in Numbers 13.32, it says, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. 
There we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. The same people who went and spied out the land and came back and said, there's a milk river, volleyball-sized grapes. Those same people came back and gave a bad report of the land to the other people. Said, oh, no, we don't want to go there. Why would you not want to go there? I want to go there. I don't even like leaving my house. The people that you allow to speak into your life are going to determine the trajectory of what I messed that word up. The people that you allow to speak into your life are going to determine the trajectory that you that you end up on. You know, they say in high school, they say they're going to determine where you end up by the people that you hang out with. Let me tell you something. If you allow people to speak death to your dream in your life, then you're never going to get your dream off of the ground. Now, you need people to speak into your life. You need community. Desperately, you need community. But who are you sharing your promise with? Are you sharing your promise with people that are going to speak life to it? Are you sharing your promise with naysayers? Now, we all know those people that say, oh, well, if it was God, wouldn't it be easy? If God told you that your promise was going to be easy, please tell me how you got God to say that to you. I would love to hear your, your formula for that. <laughs> Open yourself up to the right people. Share, don't share your promises with everyone. If your promise has been confirmed, then don't allow people to pull you off of that promise. And the last reason that we see that they didn't receive their promise is they were not willing to fight. They just gave up. It says in Numbers 14, 2 and 3, it says, All the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If we had only died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. They said they'd rather die in slavery than go and fight for what God had promised them. Would you rather die in slavery or go and burn up in the desert than to fight what God had promised for you? I've been living in Texas for six years. I do not want to go die in the desert. (laughs) My dad and I were out yesterday. I got... We were playing disc golf. I lost my disc. I forgot what color it was when I was looking for it. And I said, it's time to go. (laughs) God told them that he was giving them the land. He said, I'm giving it to you. He never said you wouldn't have to go kick somebody out of it. It was theirs to possess. But first they had to go and remove the previous owners. God had done miracles in front of their eyes. He destroyed entire armies. But they would rather go die in slavery than go and pick up a sword. I know sometimes we want things to be easy. I know we do. I know sometimes we see people receiving promises in their life, and it's easy for them. 
and we ask, why can't it be easy for me? Look, I don't know the answer to that question. But I know that the things that you fight for in your life are the things that you truly appreciate. In my last year of Bible college, I was working two jobs. I was going on a mission trip that I was preparing for that I didn't have to go on, but I felt like the Lord told me to go. I was serving here at the church. You know, a lot of Bible college students don't go to church. Isn't that crazy? But, I mean, I was exhausted. I was spent. And I see people who were in college who didn't even have to work, weren't even paying for their way, weren't going to church, weren't involved in anything. And I was just like, God, I'm so spent. But I made it. I pushed through. I went and possessed that promise. And I, let me tell you something. That diploma is framed on my wall at my house, and I'm stinking proud of that thing. Because I went and took what God had promised for me. If you really want something that God's promised for you, it's worth fighting for. If it's something that's going to be a blessing to the desire of your heart, if it's something that's going to change a generation in your life, if it's something that's going to affect the people around you, then it's worth fighting for. It's worth not giving up. So we know how they miss their promise. How do we make sure we get our promise? So I had like 10 of these. I shaved them down. You're welcome. <laughs> so these are like practical things that you can do. I like practical. I like saying, okay, I, I need to do this, 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 and this so that I can get this. That's, that's what I like. Number one is never forget what God has promised you. Never forget what God has promised you. Who's been to our house, my wife's house? Well, several people have been to our house. If you go to our house, you can see on our bathroom, we have verses relating to the promises of God in our, in our life on, taped up on our, our mirror. There was a word that Pastor Josh spoke over us at our wedding that we, that's a promise in our life that's framed, and we have it framed up on our, on our counter. Those are promises of God that we look at to remind us of what God has promised us in our, in our life. We pray into those things. We don't forget them. We speak them over our life. Write it down. Pray into it. If you don't know what God's promised you, then that's your opportunity to speak to God about the desires of your heart and begin to dream with God. And begin to have, allow God to speak to you and begin to promise something to you. It says in 2 Peter 1.4, it says, Because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The promises of God, the real promises, are what allow you to stay on the path they're allowed what allow you to say no to half promises and almost as goods. Knowing what God has really promised you are what keep you from saying okay to something that is really not going to fulfill you in the end. Never forget what God's promised you. Never forget what God's promised you. 
Write it down, write it down, write it down. You know, I talk to college kids, and I say, what do you want out of life? They say, I don't know. I say, great, you're achieving it, you know? (laughs) And what has God promised you? I don't know. Great, you're achieving it, you know? So what has God promised you? Number two is speak life over your promise. Proverbs 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat his fruit. Declarations are not just something that we do at offering time. It's a lifestyle. You know, um, in 2016, I got up here on the first Sunday of church to do the offering. And, you know, we were doing declarations back then, too. And I said, I have a declaration. 2016 is going to be my year to see the fulfillment of some promises in my life. And you know what that year was? That was the year I met my wife. I spoke life over my promise all that year. I said, 2016 is my year. And you see the fulfillment of that promise in my life. Speak life over your promise. Just like you don't allow negative people to speak death over your promise, you speak life into your promises. Number three, prepare in your time of waiting. Prepare in your time of waiting. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So we're about a week away from college football to start actual practice where they actually put on pads and hit each other. But let me tell you something. They have not been not practicing for the whole time. They've been watching film. They've been in the weight room. They've been running routes. They've been throwing passes. They've been learning formations. They've been learning plays. They've been doing all the things that they can. Just because they're actually starting practice does not mean that they have not been practicing. Because on September 1st, when the first game starts, they want to be ready. They're not go- They're not... That's not, when, that's not when the game started. The game started at the end of last season. That's when it started. I share this story all the time, and I'm going to share it again today. But before I ever met my wife, I knew that my promise was I was going to be married. And I used to listen to Focus on the Family every single day. Let me tell you, it was boring, 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 boring. But I knew that I was going to get something to be a better husband once it, you know, I knew that that's what I needed to do. So I listened to it every day because I wanted to be ready. I wanted to be ready. What you're doing now ensures that you're ready to receive the promise once it's there. What are you doing now to be ready? Number four. Ebenezer. When I say that, you think Ebenezer Scrooge. That's not what I'm talking about. 1 Samuel 7, 12, it says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Another translation says, Thus far the Lord has, has been faithful. So this is a verse that I love. It's a time of unsurety in Israel life, in Israel's uh, history. And Samuel was a prophet that they would inquire 
of the Lord, they say, what should we do? We don't know. What's God, what's God going to do? We don't know. And Samuel comes, and he takes the rock, and he goes, boom. What was that? <laughs> Thus far, God's been faithful. In your life, when you're unsure about the promise of God, remember, thus far, God's been faithful in your life. He's not failed you yet. He's not going to fail you in the future. Let me tell you something. It's going to get hard, but it's going, but he's not failed you then, and he's going to get through. Belief is a muscle. As you begin to believe in other things, it's going to empower you to believe for future things. Stay holy. Stay holy, stay holy, stay holy. Believing in your promise, you want to receive your promise, live holy, live holy. First Thessalonians 4, 7, 8, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. If you, don't, if you reject holiness, you're not rejecting man, but you're rejecting God. If you're not rejecting a lifestyle, you're rejecting the giver of the promise. Too many great men have been on the path to receive their promise, but have not received it because of immorality or moral failing. If you want to receive your promise, live holy. And number six, be willing to fight. See, the end of that story is this. After 40 years of people dying in the wilderness. Finally, the only two are left are the two that believed on that day. And God comes to Joshua and says, this time, get your men. Tomorrow's the day. I want you to cross over the Jordan. I want you to go take the land. And so what did Joshua do? He said, we're not sending out spies this time. He says, everybody get up, get up. Get up, get up, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going. Get your weapons, get your weapons, get your men, get your men. We're going. We're not missing our opportunity. Remember, I told you 40 years ago I saw it. It was good then. It's going to be good now. I don't need spies. We're going. I remember right where the Milk River was. We're going after it right now. Get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to fight, and we're going to go take it. And you know what they did? They crossed over the Jordan. And they went and took it. They lost battles. They lost men. And after they took it, you know what happened? They still had to fight. They still had to fight. In your, in your search for your promise, even after you receive it, you're still going to have to fight. Because something that was worth fighting for is going to be worth continuing to fight for. So October of last year, maybe uh, one of the worst days of my life, um, before Charlotte and I ever met, we both had received a promise, you know, that we would be parents. And um, so last year we went to the doctor to kind of go and just see what was happening. And, um, you know, that doctor comes in and they have a job to do, you know, and their job is sometimes to give bad news. And so they do it and they come in. She just says, well, you may never have children. And so, you know, they give it so casually, you know, but 
really and truly, she's speaking death over a dream, of, over a promise in our life. It takes your breath away to say it out loud, you know. So, you know, we went home that day and, uh, you know, we cried, you know, and, and I said, no, no, that is ridiculous. I do not believe that because that's a promise of God in our life, you know, and so we're going to fight for it. You know, we're going to believe God. We're going to speak life over our dream. We're going to speak life over it. We're going to pray into it. We're going to allow other people to pray into it. We're going to allow other people to speak into our life. We're going to remember it. If you come to our house, you're going to see on our bathroom wall a verse that says, there shall be no barrenness in your land nor miscarriage on our bathroom wall. We pray into it every night. We believe into that. Now, I wish today that I had the, a sonogram picture. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's not what I have today. Maybe one day, but that's not what I have today. But that doesn't change my belief that God is going to give us the victory and that we're going to continue to walk through to possess the promise that God has given us in our life.